What was supposed to be a quick trip to the grocery store ended up being the last time Brianna Brown saw her husband. A widow at age 28, Brianna unexpectedly lost her college sweetheart and the father to their young daughter. On this episode of Girl We Need to Talk, Brianna shares the life lessons her husband's death taught her and how she's been able to open up her heart again. There's room in people's heart for more than one person, you know? Like the heart doesn't only hold space for one person. My father died on June 20th, 2018. I was 37 years old and suddenly everything I knew about myself was uprooted. I had so many questions and there were so many layers to peel back. Who was my daddy? And who am I as a result? What was his legacy? And what will mine be? My mantra for 2019 was happy, healthy, whole. I was determined to face my grief and heal. And my girls were there with me every single step of the way. I found strength in my vulnerability and we had open, honest, transparent conversations. And that's what we're gonna do here in this space. So grab your journal, light some candles, pour a glass of wine and get cozy. Cause girl, we need to talk. Welcome back to another episode of Girl We Need to Talk. I'm Charity Bailey. Brianna, thanks so much for joining us. Of course, thanks for having me. So uh, folks might not know this, but you and I are really good friends. And um, we actually met the year that your late husband passed away and my dad died like a few months apart. Uh, and then as fate would have it, we met at a pool party <laughs> <laughs> and the rest has been uh, history. Uh, but if folks didn't know and you weren't so open on social media about losing Marcus, they wouldn't know. So tell us a little bit about him, what kind of person he was. Oh, he was the life of the party. He was the life of every and any event. His presence just kind of filled the room without even being purposeful. That's just the type of person and the energy that he had. He was a helpful person. I remember at his funeral, you know, people were getting up and speaking about him and pretty much like 20 people said, you know, at one point in time, I stayed with him. I lived with him. I lived on a couch. He gave me a room. And I'm like, he's just that person to always open up his space and everything to you or anyone else. And so he was just a big hearted person. You know, he also had a big stature also. So not only was his presence, you know, big and felt but also his personality was also. So what do you miss most about him? Oh man, he was like my best friend, you know, like, yes, he was my husband, but he was my best friend. He's the person that I kind of grew up with in a sense. Cause we met, you know, I was a sophomore in college. So, you know, I was still, you know, understanding who I, who I was as a person, a woman, he was there for my 21st birthday, you know? Mm. So he was kind of at that transitional phase for me kind of growing from a girl to a woman. And so, you know, I just miss our talks, our conversations, just somebody I can just be truly vulnerable with who understood mm. who I was and who I'm also becoming at the same time. Yeah, well, <laughs> you are growing tremendously. You've grown a <laughs> business, you have a lot going on. Um, but walk us through the night that he passed away. Okay, so at that time I was in cosmetology school. So actually, let me go back. It was a great day prior to that. I got my eyebrows microbladed. I got my nails done. <laughs> it was. This was ready. <laughs> it was a great day. Okay, let me tell you. 
Then I went to cosmetology school and I had a car and he had his motorcycle. So typically he would pick up my daughter from school. He would come um, to my school, leave his bike, get the car, <laughs> go pick up my daughter and go home. And so we had a substitute at school. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sneak on out and I'm going to go get her myself. <laughs> so <laughs> I decided to go get her myself. Um, and then, you know, we went to the house and we had the little SRP Empower box. And so you have to, it's kind of like a prepaid electric system. So you have to kind of put money on the card. So he made it home before us. And he said he was just going to go down the street to the grocery store to add some money on the electricity card. And um, we got home and it was dark because of power went out because we ran out of money on the card. Um, and so he was just taking a very long time. And I'm like, he wouldn't make any extra errands knowing, you know, we're sitting here in the dark. So what's going on? So I'm calling and he's not answering. So I'm like, man. So I told myself, I'm just going to drive down to the grocery store real quick, do a loop. I'm not going to see his, you know, his bike there. And by the time I get home, he's going to be home. That's what I was telling myself. And I also told myself, don't yell at him. Don't be like, don't answer. Why are you not answering the phone? Don't do this. You know, I'm like, just talk to him. Be like, hey, when you don't answer, I get worried. So just be mindful about communicating better. You know, I was all, you know, going to be all adult about the conversation and everything. <laughs> so um, my daughter was eating. So I'm like, hey, stay here. I'm going to be back, you know, in two minutes. Don't open the door. So I leave and I go around to the grocery store. I drive in the parking lot. I don't see them. And then I'm driving out the parking lot and I look to my right and I just see like police lights and stuff. And I'm like, well, that's past the grocery store. There's no reason why he should be past the grocery store. Our house is the other way. But I'm like, I got to go see. Like, I won't feel at peace or at ease until I go check it out. So then I pull up and then I see his bike in the middle of the road. And so I pull into like the turning lane and I just park my car. I get out and I'm like, that's my husband's bike. That's my husband's bike. And the police officer comes to me and I'm just shaking, you know, and they ask me what's his name. You know, I tell them, they're like, yes, you know, that's your husband. He's been in an accident. He's already got transported to the hospital. They're like, do you want us to give you a ride? And I'm like, no, I'll drive myself. They're like, no, <laughs> we're going to give you a ride. We'll send an officer to, you know, to bring your car. So he took me to the hospital. As soon as I got there, you know, they took me into a little private room. Private rooms are bad, I realized. <laughs> it's mm. not a good sign. So they took me in a private room. The officer sat with me. They also had to bring the social worker in to sit with me. And so they asked, you know, if I had any family coming or anything like that. While Brianna waited for family to arrive at the hospital, doctors informed her that her husband, Marcus, had passed away. Chandler police say Marcus was riding his motorcycle east on Ray Road when a small SUV turned left in front of him. According to witnesses, Marcus hit the side of the SUV and flew off his bike. He was wearing a helmet at the time of the crash. Marcus died at just 31 years old on March 21st, 2018. So just like that, your entire world is turned upside down. Yep. What was, what was that like? It was, I don't even know. I feel like everything just happened fast and slow at the same time, which is really an interesting concept. It's like um, the Matrix almost. Yeah, yeah. It's like everything's moving so fast, but you're literally seeing it move slow. 
And so, you know, at 28, I'm a widow now, you know, someone that you plan to spend your life with, you're not even 30 and you already lost your spouse. Most of my friends haven't even married yet, you know, and Mm -hmm. I've already been married and now a widow. So, you know, I had to plan this funeral. Like, what do I know about planning a funeral? Like I, the last funeral I went to was like my grandparents when I was, you know, younger, like I had to pick out songs. I had to figure out what he was going to wear, what he was going to get cremated in, you know? things like that. So it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Well, then you add to that, you have to go home and look your daughter in the face and tell her the daddy's not coming home anymore. Yes. So that conversation of like, so when I, um, when I got to the accident and the officer took me to, was taking me to the, um, hospital, I called my best friend and I had him go pick up my daughter from the house. And so we got back home around 11 PM and my mom told me to tell her in the morning and I'm like no I'm gonna tell her tonight because she's gonna ask where he is and I don't Mm want to lie to her and then have to you know retract the lie the next day um I just told her like hey um you know when I went to go look for daddy and she was like yeah I'm like well daddy got into a motorcycle and he's now in heaven and then she started crying and then I asked her do you know what that means And then she was like, yes, my daddy is dead. That was her exact words at five years old. Yeah. And it was actually really interesting. Oh, like a week before that happened, we were driving to school. I was taking her to school. And then she was just like asking, oh, what happens when you die? She was asking Mm -hmm. me that. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, when you die, you go to heaven, your spirit goes to heaven and I was just making it seem like a grand old time. And I was then I was like, oh, I made it seem maybe like too much of a happy place. But then that made the conversation a week later easier a little bit because we kind of prior had that brief conversation about it. So I think that's why she really kind of understood what I was telling her. She immediately made the association when you said that he was in heaven, that he Mm -hmm. was dead. Now, you're very open about the fact that you didn't want him to have this motorcycle and that you had him get life insurance just in case. Do you resent him at all for not being here and like actually leaving on the motorcycle? I used to, for a little bit I did. I don't anymore because I just think I'm a very practical person, you know? And I just feel like that's kind of the circle of life. We assume you're supposed to, you know, get old to a hundred and die in your sleep. But unfortunately, that's not the reality of life, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And so I just, I don't know, I just feel if it wasn't the motorcycle, if it was his time to go, it would have been a different vessel that, you know, caused this to happen. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it had to be that stupid motorcycle. (laughs) But yeah, I did not want him to get it. And he got it in October and he passed in March. So he didn't have it very long at all. Wow. So when you were resenting him, what, what was that? What was that like? What were those feelings like? Well, I was kind of resenting him, but I kind of blame myself also because I could have did it the whole motorcycle thing. Like if I was adamant enough, I could have just been like, no, it's not happening. I'm sorry. You're not getting it. But also I'm not trying to be your mom. You know, I want to be your partner. Mm -hmm. I want to be your support person also. So I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna let him have this, but he also needs to take you know, the proper steps also. Um, 
And then I also did, you know, resent him a little bit and was a little mad at him because he knew I didn't want him to get that motorcycle, but he made that decision and it was the thing that cost him his life. So what was it like when you came home to the realization that he wasn't coming back? Like your bed, you know, the spaces right. that y'all shared. At first, not that it wasn't hard at first. I just had so much support. So it was so many people around, you know, mm-hmm. like at the hospital, we, it was probably like 50 to hundred people that showed up that night. Like when they found out, like the news just kind of spread and his fraternity brothers, my sorority sister, friends, family, yeah. it was just so many people, you know? And then the next day it was just so many people. So for a long time, I wasn't even by myself, you know? And my cousin, she flew in from Detroit and she probably stayed with me like a month, if not longer. Um, So it was a long time before I was by myself, which I think was very helpful because by the time I think I was mentally ready to be by myself is when kind of everybody kind of just, you know, kind of let me be in that space. But it was definitely, definitely hard to, you know, go to sleep and wake up without that person knowing you know, it's not like they're just on vacation or on a trip or anything like that. It's like permanent. So the grieving process, what was that? What has that been like for you? How have you been navigating that over the last few years? I think my main thing has just been keeping myself busy. That's how Uh I handled my grief, you know? Um, So do you think that's good, bad? Are you indifferent about it? Um, I think it's twofold. I think it's, I think it's good because you get a lot done. You know, I've, I've accomplished a lot. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I will say this. You have gotten a lot done, sis. I told y'all I met, we met in 2018. Yeah. And in the time that I've met you, I think you've done more in two years than most people do <laughs> in 10. <laughs> right. Yes. So it's definitely a good thing because it definitely pushed me, you know, you know, professionally and personally in a lot of ways. But also at times I look back and be like, I haven't really dealt with it fully. And I don't know if that's something you ever really deal with fully. You know, I don't know what that really looks like. And I think that's the very interesting thing with grief. It's no blueprint with it. You know, there's no Mm -hmm. right or wrong way. So You just try to figure it out as you go. And so I think that's why I'm so open with my story, because I think it's helpful for other people who go through similar things to know that grief is not textbook. I don't care what they tell you about it being linear and these phases and these steps. Nah, Mm -hmm. that's not, you know, that's not reality. That's not life. And I want people to understand it's okay that it's a little up and down and a little spirally, like, you know, and that's fine. That's what it is. But yeah, I just kept myself busy. Um, really, I keep telling myself I need to go see a therapist. Well, you're also a psych major, so you yeah. <laughs> so you um, know what it is. <laughs> right. I definitely do have my degree in psychology. So I do support mental health. I have not really seen a therapist about it. And mm-hmm. I don't know why not. I don't, I don't know. Like, I just feel like, what are you going to tell me that I don't know? I don't know why I feel that way, even though I'm sure they can really tell me something I don't know. But I did put my daughter in therapy, you know, because I felt like that was 
good for her to kind of have someone to talk to about things, her feelings and things like that. So what prompted you to put your daughter in therapy? I feel like we or she started having some behavioral challenges that Mm -hmm. I really didn't know how to address. So I'm like, well, let's, you know, talk to a professional to kind of see, you know, how they can help because she's eight now. So that was, you know, three years ago. Um, And I want her to have a safe space for her to talk to someone. Maybe she's not comfortable with talking to me about her dad because I am dating again. Maybe she thinks I'll feel some type of way or it's not appropriate. I'm not sure. Um, So I I've been wanting to put her in in it. And then I had a very good recommendation um, of who can take my insurance. And I did want someone who looked like us also. Mm -hmm. That was really important for me. Um, so yeah, so she's been in therapy for a few months now. So you are an entrepreneur after your husband passed away, you started your businesses, you purchased a home, uh, you have all of these things going for yourself. Like I said, you kicked COVID's behind, (laughs) uh, you did, you can know that. So, (laughs) and again, it went. 30, 31. Yeah. So what is your love life like? Is Have you started dating again? Do you feel like it's too soon? Have people been saying that it's too soon? That's the whole thing, I'm sure. Of course. So um, it's interesting because when I started, when I started dating, when I lost my husband, you know, family and friends, you know, they would be like, oh, you're young. We know you're going to start dating again. We want you to start dating again and get out there and you know, but then when it happens and it's all like, yeah, <laughs> like, but you just told like, mind your business, <laughs> that part. So, um, yes, I'm dating currently, um, and it's going great. Um, but yeah, I'm young. I'm definitely gonna eventually, you know, date and hopefully remarry and things like that. Um, I don't know, you know, the time frame on when that's okay or when that's not okay. I don't think it really is an okay or not okay type of thing. I think as long as I feel that I'm mentally ready to accept someone into my heart, then that's what, you know, that's what matters to me, not what other people's perception is. You know, some people may never marry again, even if they lost their spouse this young, you know, but some people may be married within the next year. It's all about you, your heart and your partner that you found. Yeah. Did you go through a phase where you were like, I'm not going to do this again? Or was it more like, I'm just going to date everybody? (laughs) Forget it. (laughs) I did have a slight hot girl summer. (laughs) I think it was that summer we met. (laughs) And that's okay, too. Listen, we were talking about the fact that everybody grieves different and not... I've been very open. That's why I got Lacey, because I was like, I'm going to be over here with somebody's son, and it's just not going to be good. (laughs) Yes, so I definitely did. Summer 2018 was a very good summer, um, but it was definitely me trying to, you know, not deal with my realities of life. You are very open and very direct. So what does it look like when you're dating someone seriously especially when marcus is such a big part of your life y'all have a daughter his pictures are up around the home how do you introduce that to a new person and have them still feel secure in the relationship 
So I'm currently dating boyfriend number two <laughs> since my husband. <laughs> I can't stand you. <laughs> uh, All I can think of is a boyfriend number two. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think boyfriend number one, great guy, nothing bad to say. But it's interesting because so he knew him. Mm. So I don't know if that's what made it more difficult and that relationship um, with him kind of not feeling that he's competing with someone who isn't here, you know, and feeling, you know, comfortable in the relationship because he knew who he was. I'm not sure if that's what it is or is it a personal thing with that person that they were uncomfortable with it. Um, but my current boyfriend, he's never met the guy at all, but he's not threatened or intimidated by his, you know, his presence, you know, or anything, you know, by the photos or anything like that. So I'm not sure if it's, a, you know, them individually, their personalities made that difference, or is it because the relationship that they have or lack thereof with Marcus? I'm not really sure. But um, yeah, my current relationship, it's a lot different type of scenario when it comes to, you know, my late husband. Well, also, I think it's important for people to know that if you're going to date someone who has a child and that other parent has passed away, you can't just omit that person from their life. Correct. You know, that's and big. Yeah, it is. And also um, the guy I'm dating now, he has a daughter. So that may make a difference also um, because he understands that father-daughter bond, that father-daughter relationship. Um, so that can also play a role. And I feel like men, women, you know, even if you're dating, you know, somebody like a man who lost his wife, you know, or something like that, I think you have to let that person go through those emotions and understand that there's room in people's heart for more than one person, you know, mm. like the heart doesn't only hold space for one person. And um, it's it holds... hard for some people to understand that concept. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I do agree. But also I think that's when people have to have those conversations and say, Hey, that makes me a little uncomfortable that you still are going through these emotions about your husband, but I understand, or, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, just be open and honest. Don't say, Hey, I get it when you don't get it. And then your actions and your words aren't matching, you know? Did you ever feel guilty for, for dating? I didn't actually. I didn't. Cause I, I think he would have wanted me to kind of go on and be happy and find somebody who would treat me and Nalia right. So I, I didn't ever feel guilty. Mm -mm. So you mentioned the community that you guys have and how mm -hmm. they showed up for you and they continue to show up for you. And you're very open uh, on social media uh, about your grieving process and uh, the, the milestones. So mm -hmm. how do you currently celebrate or honor your anniversaries, his birthdays, uh, and kind of incorporate your daughter into that as well? Yeah, so every year we have a birthday dinner on his birthday um, because we used to always have birthday dinners. So, you know, we still do. I invite, you know, a couple of his frat brothers show up. It's me and my daughter. Um, you know, my best friend, we all show up this year. My boyfriend did join us for dinner. Um, nice. I know, which I appreciate it. I'm like, I hope you're not uncomfortable, but he joined us and, mm -hmm. and that was, that was nice. Um, so yeah, we do have a birthday dinner 
every year, anniversaries and things like that. I typically post, you know, a little post on Instagram and kind of leave it at that. But it's really ironic because I think it was the day before his birthday or the day before our anniversary that night. I just felt really sad and I didn't know why. And then the next morning I realized the date and I'm like, dang, like even like Mm -hmm. unconsciously, my body is like aware, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really weird. It's a thing. It is a thing. A lot of people say that that it happens to them. And it's just a really interesting Mm -hmm. space that we hold for our loved ones. Correct. Even if you don't know what today is, your body knows what today (laughs) is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So as we wrap up, you have a tattoo uh, and we have a picture of it. But explain that tattoo for us. So it says one, two, three with a heart and three, two, one. So his birthday was January 23rd, one, two, three. And his death date was March 21st, three, two, one. Yeah. Very ironic. And on that day, your life changed drastically. Mm -hmm. But you, my friend, have done a tremendous job of, I won't even say holding it together because I think (laughs) you you i don't know i don't i honestly you you blow my mind i, I watch you in your in the salon and i watch you with your with your daughter and out and about in the community and you've taken something that would have wiped most people out and you you honestly you found victory in what have what would have been defeat for a lot of people and so I guess the question is for other people, how do how do you do it? How how do you continue to move forward and how can they take a page out of your book? One thing I had to realize is that his life ended and mine didn't. And it's hard to say that out loud because it sounds very selfish a little bit, but it's just the reality of what it is. And just because you know, his life ended, my life didn't stop and it can't stop. And I think maybe having my daughter helped because I couldn't just sit in the room and, you know, be depressed. Like she had needs and things had to get done. I still had bills to pay. And, you know, I was an entrepreneur. So if I didn't go to work, I didn't get a paycheck. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't, unfortunately, I don't get paid time off and things like that. So, you know, life had to continue, you know, business had to still, you know, continue as is, you know, and I think that's what people have to realize. And not saying that you can't be sad, not saying that you can't have dark days, but things still have to move forward. Because if I didn't do any of these things, I would have looked back today and been like, dang, I'm still the same person that I was in 2018 here in 2021, you know? And I couldn't have that. Um, and so my support system was, they was the shit. I ain't even gonna lie. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't even know if I say that. But you can't listen. This is a space <laughs> much like the, my living room that we can. <laughs> yeah. But my support system, you know, are awesome. And even people who necessarily may not have knew me, you know, prior to Marcus passing away, like yourself you're still a part of my support system, you know? 
And people like you are the reason why I can continue because I think it's very therapeutic having these conversations. And no, I may not sit down with a therapist, but I think having these conversations with you in this type of space or with my friend over happy hour, you're still getting those thoughts, feelings, and emotions out, which is good. Because if you don't, those things just kind of eat you up. And that's kind of where the trouble starts to happen. There's so much to talk about and it's heavy and it's hard, but there's also laughter and love that it's all laced with. And like you mentioned community, you've been such a big part of my community as well. And so we just kind of lean in on each other and we laugh and we cry and we talk crazy and cuss a little bit and drink a whole lot. (laughs) But at the end of the day, like you said, life is for the living and we're here living. And so the best way I found to honor my dad is to live. And I think the best way that you are able to honor Marcus is to live and to provide a great life for Nalia as well. And um, yeah, I mean, from the moment I met you, you've been living since. <laughs> my fur coat. <laughs> With your fur coat at brunch. Child, you bring Brie to brunch and she gonna have a fur coat. <laughs> Oh my goodness, I just love you. Yes. Where is your glass? We need to toast. <laughs> well, I gotta fill it up real fast. Oh, okay. The well, only yeah. thing I have was some, some Moscato, you know, so we gonna go ahead and fill that up, okay? I cannot. Well, I, I got my tea like I always do. And uh, <laughs> I just love you, Brianna. It's Sunday. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> Cheers to being happy, healthy, and whole. And to whatever's in her glass over there. I'll have yes. two of those. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. On the next girl we need to talk. It wasn't that it was my husband's fault, but it was when you are in a situation of desperation, you are looking for someone to blame. So I looked to him to blame him for everything because I was like, you were the one who wanted us to take this risk. You were the one who wanted us to do all these things. I never wanted our friends to be involved in this. Um, And so a lot of my anger, of course, was directed at him because I couldn't direct that anger at anybody else, right? Thank you for listening to Girl We Need to Talk. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Want to watch the show? Be sure to subscribe to the Miss Charity Bailey YouTube channel and connect with me across all social media platforms at Miss Charity Bailey.